going on everybody for cryptocurrent i am stephen miller and you're watching the aftershock the show where we get you connected to all things web3 every single week on wednesdays i am joined today by my co-host richard carthon richard how are you this week doing all right man it's been an interesting world <laughs> interesting week in the world of crypto uh we had the successful eth 2.0 merger which we'll get into in a little bit and even with that going on we've Seen some uh, some movement happen in the market, and uh, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more too. Uh, but you know, I'm glad that the ETH merger happened and was a success. But uh, man, as far as market conditions go, I think we haven't seen max pain yet. But optimism is still there. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I think that as I continue to look at it, I really do think that we're going to see max pain hit in the next month. Because I think it's going to all be based around the U.S. elections. Like there's been so many years of history now that we have like watching the cycles and how it can coincide with an election year. And I'm, I'm really one to believe that we're going to see it this year. So I'm very curious to see how it all plays out. But I think that if you are trying to time the bottom, right now is probably the best time to start DCAing or dollar cost averaging. But Without much further ado, I do want to make sure that I give a quick shout out to any of our brand new listeners. We really appreciate you coming here to our Aftershock show and giving us a shot. Um, if you do like the show today, please make sure you subscribe and hit that like button for the episode. We are up against a lot of um, you know bots and algorithms out there that work against crypto shows. So we want to make sure that we're getting it out there to everybody in the world of crypto that wants to stay informed. Um, but if you're joining us over on the podcast platform of your preference, we do appreciate you joining as well. Just make sure that you know, you can of course join us over on YouTube to uh, see Richard and my beautiful faces. But let's go ahead and not uh, get too wrapped up in vanity. Let's dive right in to this week's Aftershock. The Aftershock. On the Aftershock this week, we're going to start out with the Web3 lightning round just like every week. But at the top of the show this week, we've got a really interesting piece of news, Rich. Apparently... South Korea has officially issued an arrest warrant and an Interpol red notice for Do Kwon. Now, this is all kind of forming a bunch of drama around the issue at the moment because Do Kwon is out of the nation. Um, there is no way for them to really contact him. Um, but very much so, like it's a proven fact at this point. Um, <laughs> they can't like they have told Interpol like that we don't. Like we don't want him to be able to move, you know, freely from country to country. We want him extradited back to South Korea. And just um, the other day, I believe, it was over the weekend, he actually wrote um, a set of tweets on the crypto Twitter saying, "Dear crypto Twitter, I will tell you what I am doing and where I am. If number one, we're friends. Number two, we have plans to meet. Number three, we are involved in a GPS-based Web three game. Otherwise, you have no business knowing my GPS coordinates." Really don't understand why why otherwise would be true. Think about whether you would be comfortable with the same level of invasion of privacy yourself. I can't believe this guy has the nerve to say stuff like that when he's literally now been put onto a an Interpol tracking list because they can't track him down. Like, dude, you're a criminal. <laughs> At least in the eyes of yeah. the, the courts in in South Korea, it's wild. 
Oh, it's insane. But I expect this from him. At this point, man, like he's proven that he's going to do whatever he wants because he feels like he can do whatever he wants. He's gotten away with it, even through all of the money he's lost several people. Um, it, it's sad, but, you know, they're going to eventually get him. I think they're going to find a way. Uh, I think enough people are going to rally around and figure out coordinates around his tweets and stuff like that. Like, I bet they find him. I don't think it'll take much. I just, I'm surprised that he's got the gall to go out there and make additional statements like I'm not on the run or anything similar for any government agency that has shown interested to commute has shown interest to communicate. We are in full cooperation and we don't have anything to hide. I disagree because clearly you're not talking with your own native government and they're after you to the point that they feel the need to get Interpol involved, like Interpol, the international police. Like that's just insane. So I'm personally really curious how this whole thing ends, but it's not looking good right now. No. And, you know, they're going to get him. Uh, look, he can't get away with what he did. Just plainly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely gotten a little bit gross, but let's go ahead and move on from this story. There's a lot of other things to cover this week. And the first, of course, beyond this has to be the merge, right? It was what everybody's been talking about for weeks on weeks, on months on months, and in fact, on years on years. And we officially had it go through successfully last week. So now Ethereum is officially operating on proof of stake. That is the new consensus mechanism for the network. But my question to you, Richard, is then why is the price down if it was successful? So you saw this bullish momentum leading up to the major event. And that was, you know, on excitement and hoping that everything went according to plan. But here's where things have kind of fallen off. It's the macro. It's bigger than the world of crypto. So if you look in the macro environment, uh, this Wednesday, uh, interest rates are probably going to be raised um, 100 points. uh, And that is going to have a lot of impact on the equities markets, which then could have impact towards the crypto markets. But then outside of that, uh, you also see a stronger U.S. dollar and you see inflation internationally increasing. So as that continues, people are starting to get tighter with their dollars. Uh, money isn't circulating as much into things that are high risk, such as crypto. So that's why I still think we haven't seen max pain in the market yet. But as great of a success and milestone as it was for the ETH 2.0 merger, I think it's the last a golden nugget to take in the short run as I think we have some more pain coming. Look, dude, I I really do think that we saw a lot more of just the classic buy the rumor, sell the news across the last like week or two. I'm not even going to like focus so much on the midterm of like, you know, what happens when we truly reach a max pain point. But there were a lot of people that were playing multiple sides on this. You had the people that were playing the buy the rumor, sell the news. Yeah, sure. You had plenty of people that were also thinking to themselves, okay, well, if buy the rumor, sell the news is going to be the way to play this, then I'm going to, before the merge, sell all my ETH to stables and then buy back in just to basically stack up a little bit of additional ETH. For a lot of people, that worked. It worked out really well for them. But there was also another part of the market that was just like straight away, Effort, like I'm just holding everything. Like we need to hold all of this ETH straight through. So 
the equation itself, when you think about the supply and demand dynamics of just that alone, it doesn't make a lot of sense why we would see the ETH price going down, especially because now that we're in proof of stake, right, you have a reduction in overall supply. It's continuing to like occur. So the, the amount of deflationary mechanics that have been added into Ethereum now should scale down the overall circulating supply on a more um, elevated level. So it doesn't make a ton of sense why we would be seeing a sell-off. Unless we're just talking about the miners who are still pissed off that they didn't prepare in advance to move over to... So yeah, um, it it and, and look to your point, man. Like everything within the the micro un, underneath the umbrella of of crypto, it it makes sense, and that's why I think you have to kind of step back and look at the macro and and how much of an impact that that truly could be having on the crypto market. Yeah, look, I I don't know how much to read into it further than that, but if there's one thing that I do feel right now, it is a degree of confidence because I do see you know like overall Ethereum bouncing back. I don't think that this is going to be something prolonged. I think we're going to like probably see this last for another week or two. I think we're hovering around 1450 to 1490 at the moment. And I mean, realistically, like that's a pretty solid buy price. Even if it does, you know, fall down a little bit lower than that, it's a good DCA. So that's the way I would be playing it personally. Um, But again, none of this is financial advice. Now, I've got a really interesting story for you, Rich. Um, You've got the big, big, big players in TradFi, Citadel, Fidelity, and Charles Schwab teaming up to launch what they are calling EDX Markets. It is an official um, crypto exchange that is backed and supported by the biggest players in traditional finance. I feel like this was inevitable, but I'm curious if I'm underestimating this story or if you think there's a bigger headline to be had here. They want a piece of the crypto pie and they're going during a bear market. It it makes sense. Like you look at a lot of the tried, uh, tried which is traditional finance. And a lot of these companies made so much money during COVID. And now you're starting to see some bearish activity happen that a lot of them have switched to cash and are sitting on all this cash. And they're like, okay, We've been trying to find a good way to get into this crypto market. Oh, look, it's down right now. This could be our moment. So you have a mix of cash waiting to be deployed and a great entry point into crypto. And all the big companies coming together and like, hey, here's a bunch of big names. If we open this thing, people might trust us and go in this direction. So I think it's just an accumulation of, of timing uh, for them to kind of have orchestrated this together and, 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 and have a way to launch. We continue to stress this on this show. We continue to tell you that the bear market is the time that builders really do like set themselves up for the next bull. And there are no players that have more like more significant pull in a bear market than the large financial institutions. So they're choosing to build something of their own. Um, this is going to be a really interesting story to watch develop. I don't really know if you're going to see a ton of investors use this new market because you've already got very established players that are well-known and respected in the world of cryptocurrency. So time will tell, but I'm very interested in the development nonetheless. Let's jump into the next one. Richard, I freaking love this story. All right. <laughs> Let me just go ahead and say this right off the bat because if you like just right off the jump, 
Name your top three most progressive nations globally. Go. Uh, Sweden, Norway. Uh, I'd say... Hmm. I'm going to put the toss-up as the third one. Okay, fine. But you still had the, the one that is the title of this exact like next news story, right dead to rights. And that is that Norway, one of the more progressive nations internationally, has decided to build its CBDC on Ethereum. Now, why in the world would a nation like Norway decide to build its CBDC on a platform that everybody believes is not environmentally friendly? Well, Richard, it's because it's now on proof of stake and you have a totally like environmentally friendly network now that, is ha- that now has 99.9% less environmental impact than ever before. So they were planning ahead. They knew what was coming. And frankly, they're setting an example for the rest of the world to say, look, we're a primary you know, progressive economy. We believe in Ethereum. You should too. Is that the right you know, way to view this story? Or, or are you as bullish on it as I am? Yeah. I, I, look, Ethereum solved its biggest issue. And now that all, all of the developers that they have, they have, the, I believe, the largest development team that are constantly working on the platform. And they have been spending pretty much all of their energy trying to make this merge happen. It's done. Now you have all these developers who can build all of these really cool tools that are on other platforms that you're seeing right now and can build it on top of ETH, which is the granddaddy of all layer ones uh, as you look at uh, scalable solutions. And Norway jumped all over that. That, man, yes, it's bullish news. Just, just to echo that, this is very bullish news for Ethereum. And look, you also have like continued development cycles that are coming following the merge, right? This is not the end, folks. Like it's not just like, you know, we've merged, we're on proof of stake. Now Ethereum's, you know, at its, you know, its precipice. It's not like we're done. Like they've got plans for what they've, you know, called the surge after this. So like helping to, you know, move on to sharding and like get to the point where we can scale Ethereum. Like, there's just so much promise here. And it's insane to me that people are still underestimating it. Um, I personally think that right now, Ethereum may be one of the best buys in the market. Um, but that's just because I understand the pricing dynamics and how it's going to deflate. Um, it's going to be ridiculous. But again, take it for what it's worth. Do your own research. Go look into a couple articles as to why Norway is choosing to build its CBDC on Ethereum. And I think you may see very clearly why it is such a great move right now. But let's go ahead and carry into our last story, right? So it, it, across Web3, across this past week, we've heard a ton about Ethereum, ton about other networks that are on, built on Ethereum. But we also have heard news confirming a story that we had talked about prior, probably three or four weeks back. It was just a rumor. It is now confirmed. The Helium network is now moving to the Solana blockchain. They are completely abandoning the, infra- the infrastructure they had already built in their own private network and are moving it onto the Solana blockchain. Richard, you yourself are a Helium miner. You are very, very well established within that community. You know other miners. What is the pulse check on this? 
are people excited to be seeing Helium on Solana? Or is this something that you guys are a little bit hesitant on and worried about? It can't be worse than what it is. The Helium network has been absolutely terrible for a very long time. The mining rewards that it saw in its glory just have absolutely dis- disappeared. And it, the the blocks are constantly not working. The miners are constantly, even if they're on the best Wi-Fi setup, have the, the all the rigs and everything set up correctly, they're constantly not being connected to the blockchain to receive the rewards. So it has it's been extremely disappointing. So the idea is it can't get worse. So there has to be some sort of solution. So like, you know, I don't know if I'm super thrilled about Solana. There could there could be other choices that I think could have made more sense, but also am not upset about it either. Um, as long as they can just get the the network back on track, I feel good about it. But man, Helium is honestly of a lot of the bullish projects I've been on. This is it's the biggest disappointment for me. And it's a shame because honestly, only a couple of months back, you I mean, I you and Chris were still very, very bullish on Helium. And we're talking about not what? I mean, eight months ago? Yeah. Something like that. Like, yeah, the year. Yeah. It's, in, it's insane how quickly things can change in this industry. But that's why we're here to make sure that people at home are completely in tune with what's going on in Web3. Um, but we'll keep you updated on the transition that Helium goes through. And of course, we're going to move into last week in the metaverse now. So again, we, we always split this show into two halves. First, starting out with broader Web3 and then looking more into the metaverse and what's going on with NFTs. That's just for the new listeners. Um, but for those that are very familiar with this, you'll understand why we do it. And it's because there seems to be a lot of really interesting news on one side and the other, but they deserve to be separated because it's becoming very clear where most of mass adoption is going to come in versus the rest of the people who have been early adopters in crypto. So the first interesting piece of news on the last week is that OpenSea has officially minted a new UI for its website. Now, of course, I'm using minting a little bit facetiously here. Um, I do not mean that they actually minted an NFT, so don't get it twisted. In this case, they have rolled out a brand new UI um, to what seemed like a pretty dated interface. Um, it looks really clean. I'm a pretty big fan of it so far, um, but they have a lot bigger problems to uh, to deal with than just a UI overhaul. So I'll be interested to see how this one pans out. We're not going to spend much more time on that one. Let's jump into the next one, and this is a really great one. So just last week. In fact, it was like right before we, no, it was right after we recorded last week's episode. The news came out that, you know, Doodles, after having not tweeted since July, actually had a reason for not tweeting since July. Um, we got word very shortly after the episode and the recording that the reason was Doodles had just lined up a $54 million raise led by Alexis Ohanian and 557. Um, ventures. So very interesting fact that like their silence had a lot more to do with this public raise, which they plan on deploying for hiring 18 new positions. But this actually gives Doodles a $704 million valuation in a bear market. In a bear market. So Richard, tell me about your read on it. Because again, we were pretty damn critical of it last week. Yeah, this is huge news. Uh, for those who don't know Alex Ohinian, he used to be the uh, or he's an old founder of Reddit. 
um, is now a venture capitalist uh, married to uh, Serena Williams. And they have a lot of really cool investment opportunities going on. And they have a pretty diversified portfolio. The fact that he's putting his money into doodles almost gives it a golden stamp of approval to the rest of the traditional VC world. And probably means they have a lot of unique things in the pipeline that they can't even reveal yet. So, I mean, you want to talk about pretty bullish news to raise this kind of money, get that kind of valuation during this bear market, especially in this bearish NFT market is huge news. And look, we are starting to see some momentum come back into the NFT market. So it's not all bad news there, but I do think it's really interesting that we're starting to see more picks by Alexis Ohanian's group um, come down the pipeline and almost validate those projects that have really carved a niche for themselves at the top of the market. Um, you know, 557, which is Alexis Ohanian's firm, um, has invested in the likes of Board Ape Yacht Club, Proof Collective, and now Doodles. So maybe this really is the start of a top tier or an S tier being established in NFTs on, in a much more legitimized fashion. Uh, but we will keep an eye on it for you at home so that you don't have to be so on top of it. Just stay posted here with us at the Aftershock and we'll keep you updated. In our next story, we have um, a really interesting development out of New York Fashion Week last week. And Richard, you're probably asking me, why in the world are we talking about fashion in the middle of last week in the metaverse? And the reason is you had brands like Michael Kors and Gucci and Prada and Versace, all very, very present at New York Fashion Week and showing a big focus on how they are going to be approaching the metaverse. I did not think it would happen this fast. I really didn't. But alas, here we are. We're seeing a lot more people um, and brands entering the metaverse. What do you think of it? What sold it for me when I knew this was going to start becoming the norm. What was the collaboration that we covered a couple of weeks back where uh, the punks basically got like these special mints with a, a luxury brand? Which brand was that again? That was Tiffany & Co. With Tiffany & Co. When Tiffany & Co. sold out in a short amount of time and made that much money and will now make residual income from that from now on, the other brands noticed and they said, we need to jump all over that. And they they are yeah it's not surprising to me at all that like we're starting to see more luxury brands jump in but it's interesting to me that they're trying to really make sure that the world sees it during one of the top fashion weeks globally right because all yeah. these brands they'll have a place like they'll absolutely have a place in the metaverse because people will always apply vanity to their purchases they will want the hottest you know drip and i get that i respect that but to really see it right now in the middle of a bear market says to me that people are a lot more progressive about this behind the scenes than we may have thought before. So I wouldn't underestimate it if you're at home, you know, hearing this. I would do some more digging. I would see what exactly it was that made NFTs all the rage at um, New York Fashion Week. But we will keep you posted on this one too, because I think that you're going to see even these um, fashion manufacturers starting to take positions on things like. What is their metaverse of choice? Where do they want to see their goods on display? It's going to be really interesting, dude. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this one ha like really does pan out. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it, man. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Now let's dive into our second and last story. Super rare. You may know them as the one-of-one art marketplace on Ethereum. They've announced they will only support artwork on the proof-of-stake Ethereum chain. This goes back to something that I keep bringing up week after week here. More projects are coming out of the woodwork and establishing whether or not they're going to support the proof-of-work chain. And just like I thought, and just like I've told you week after week, they're all swearing off the ETH proof-of-work chain. All of these different side chains that are, you know, popping up. Not side chains, sorry, hard forks that are popping up. It doesn't make sense, dude. Like, the, the, it's, I keep ranting on this and I'm so tired of ranting on it, but it's just a fact. This is the fault of the miners. Like, but we're, we're seeing right now that every single ETH platform is very, very ready to denounce like proof of work and they're ready to move on and step into the future. Uh, do you think that it's just going to keep on with this trend or, you know, is there more to say about this? OpenSea did it first. Everybody's going to follow suit. I just, I just see it happening that way. And I, I don't know that the Ethereum proof of work chain fork is going to really survive. It's, it's, it's a hard case uh, to push for. I mean, yes, you can always make the like, it's more secure security, whatever, because proof of work is always more secure. But like, you take away that one argument, proof of stake is the way to go. So, uh, also when these miners have spent all this money and time to try to like, you know, make more money and now basically your thing is no longer, is, is now worthless, you know, they try to get bitter and they try to hold on as long as they can. And that's what they're trying to do right now and it's not working. So, uh, I think you're going to see more and more platforms continue to go the proof of stake chain. So just to go ahead and give another uh, piece of information on this, it's really important to understand what happened after Proof of Stake officially went through and the merge was successful. If you go and you look at the ETHW chart, it was trading right around the $60 level or the $50 level for about a week or two before. But as we got closer to the merge, we saw a slide off happen and it started to skid down to, I believe it was like the $30 range. But across the last 48 hours, or actually, no, it was even sooner. It was later than that. It was like September 14th. It completely crashed. I mean, like we're right now trading at a $6.05 value per ETHW. It just doesn't make sense. Like people just don't care about it. They just wanted to convert their money over to ETH and call it a day. That said, like if you have ETH on the proof of work chain, I don't think it's worth it to try and move it now or try and find a bridge to get your ETH back over to the ETH proof of stake chain and benefit off of the little um, bit of money that you may have over there. I don't think it's worth it. Are you Are you going to even consider doing it? You know, uh, I got a notification from one of my exchanges that I got uh, a deposit. I was like, I didn't make a deposit. What, what was it? So I went and looked and it was Ethereum proof of work chain. Uh, and... I'm just going to let it ride. I mean, look, I, unless you need the liquidity and unless you're just absolutely afraid that it goes to zero, let it ride. Uh, that's how I look at it. Again, not financial advice. This is what I would do, but do your own research, do what you want. Um, but that's my two cents. Yeah, look, I don't keep any of my ETH on exchange. And I think that's one of the places that I get a little bit more skeptical. Uh, but I'm really curious what what exchange 
notified you and actually airdropped you your ETH proof of work? Uh, Kraken. Yep, I would expect that from Kraken. Um, at the very least, they're giving you an off ramp, right? That's actually a really valuable thing because there's a lot of scams out there right now, right? Yep. People want to take advantage. <clears throat> people want to take advantage of the ETH work chain and the people who you know want to make that financial move by creating fraudulent bridges. Um, it's a really big trend right now, so you have to be protecting yourself. And the fact that that's already built into Kraken and some other exchanges are honoring that. To me, that's pretty bullish. Um, but we'll keep an eye on it for you. I think that it's something that people are not going to care a lot about um, in a couple months here. <laughs> Just my take. Let's jump into the last story. The last story, again, it's like we keep bringing up ENS on this show, but it's really because in the metaverse and in the NFT market, ENS is popping right now. Like the amount of like transaction volume that ENS has had over the course of the last five weeks has just been unprecedented. And now you actually have bigger named celebrities and people of influence jumping into that game. Matt Higgins, who is a member of the original Shark Tank crew, um, has bought in big to ENS across the last week. He was onboarded by a community member, like literally just somebody that had, was in the ENS community that reached out to him and said, Hey, I listened to you on this um, Twitter space. I was wondering if you want your ENS handle because I secured it for you if you want it. And they ended up like actually having a dialogue or true back and forth over the course of a couple of days. And this user gave the domain to, like for free to Matt Higgins. And then Matt Higgins got a ton of questions answered by this guy and went on to spend like 50K to 130K on like three digit domains. So domains that are just three numerical digits in, in succession. Um, he, secu he secured the area code for Dallas. And then he sent a message to Gary V and asked him to loan him some ETH so he could go buy the New York one. So he now owns Dallas and New York three digit domains. I don't know what he plans for them. But this is a guy that is very, very smart about his investments. I mean, he wouldn't be on Shark Tank otherwise. But it's really fascinating to me to see that like these people are really trying to make these money moves in a down market. Is this as bullish of news to you as it is to me? Or do you think this is just something that's going to be overblown? I think it's bullish. Um, I think it's cool to see more and more of people who've had success in the traditional finance world make the bridge over into crypto and they're kind of finding their place in the metaverse between NFTs, ENS, um, and, and metaverse like gaming. I think... We have to take just two seconds, just because I know you're in this a lot deeper than I am, to explain why would someone spend 50 to 130K on an ENS domain? Like, where is that value? Because I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who are like, we keep talking about it. I don't think we really uh, dove into this too deeply, but give a quick synopsis on like, why would someone spend this kind of money? Yeah. And look, I think it's a really good question. Um, but there's a lot of detail to this whole ENS debate that I want to make sure we're giving our listeners. So for you at home that are into this story and are following it, please know like we're not trying to short you on information here. In fact, behind the scenes, just a little quick spoiler and a sneak peek, I'm working on putting together a couple different episodes to explain different aspects of ENS and why we need to be actually looking at it. Um, because right now, the most significant primary use case 
for ENS is simplifying the transaction send and receive process. So I can go out and buy stevenmiller.eth, which I have, and I can attach it to my wallet address and set it as a resolver, meaning that anybody can simply type in, if they want to send me ETH, they can type in stevenmiller.eth and it'll automatically send me that ETH, right? Or And I can send from that address and if somebody receives ETH from me, it'll show that stevenmiller.eth sent them Ethereum. That's the most significant primary use case up front. But there's a whole lot of different use cases that are being brought up right now. And a lot of building is being done behind the scenes with ENS. So, I mean, you have the opportunity for things like subdomains or like licensing out and renting on top of that domain. So you can basically say, okay, if you have carthon.eth, which you don't, I own it. Um, I'm going to love laughing about that until the holidays because I am going to give it to you for Christmas. Thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> But if you owned Carthon.eth, which you don't right now, um, you could go and lease out a subdomain of richard.carthon to yourself. And you could then use the same exact purpose that I use stevenmiller.eth, richard.carthon.eth as your receiving address. And you can then make subdomains for every member of your family. And they can have an ETH address that features the Carthon last name. So, I mean, there's a lot of utility just in that alone, especially because with these leases and with these, you know, rental agreements that you can bake into your subdomains, it creates a passive income channel for you. You can start to license these things out and make money on the domains that you actually own, or you can deploy them as sites with unique utility. There's a lot to it, man. I, I think that it would just go on forever. I could probably talk about this stuff for like half an hour on its own. Um, but that's a quick overview of just like scratching the surface of what you can do with an ENS domain. Um, I really do believe the future on that is understated right now at best. And I am really quite excited to share with our listeners in the future what the real value proposition is behind it going forward. No, I think that was a great uh, summary. So thank you for spending some time on that. Yeah, of course. Well, look, that's going to wrap up our show today, folks. Um, this has been another great edition of the Aftershock, uh, where we get you a quick and uh, you know easy understanding of what's been going on in the world of Web3. Richard, we do another program on CryptoCurrent every single week, and that is an interview that we release every Monday. Who did you get the privilege to interview this past Monday? So I talked to Michael Hahn, who is the COO of Decentral. Uh, they do conferences in Miami, Austin, and I think they're trying to expand to some other places as well. They have an upcoming event um, right at the end of November, right after Thanksgiving, that goes right into um, another huge uh, event in Miami, Art Basel, and um, t- talks about like the, the origins of it and all the reasons of why you would want to go check it out. So really cool episode. Um, highly recommend you go give it a listen. If you're in the Miami community, you should definitely definitely try to attend Decentral this year um, and the conferences that are also going to be going on simultaneously and in the lead up to Art Basel. I did hear just this past week, there's an entire metaverse convention that's going on at the same time in Miami. So the end of November and the early part of December in Miami, it's going to be an absolute crypto fiesta. So I really encourage you to get involved if you're in that locale or if you're heading out to that locale. Uh, But we also have a conference of our own that we have coming up here on October 28th in downtown Austin. Um, Richard, would you like to tell people a little bit about that conference and what they can expect? 
Absolutely. So it's called Agme. Austin's going to make it. Um, you can go to agmecons.com uh, and get more information. We're going to have six panels uh, talking about all things from um, NFTs to uh, better trading and interoperability of futures within different cities and regulations, all kinds of really cool topics. Whole idea is, you know, during bearish times, it's really easy to get down on things, but there are a lot of people that are building. And um, in my local city, Austin, there are a ton of Web3 companies and a lot of talent out here and in a greater, you know, Austin area. So we want to be able to create an environment, have everybody come together, learn from each other, network, and uh, have a good time. Because uh, it's also going to be Halloween weekend. So after the conference, if you want to go have some fun on uh, 6th Street or Rainy, it, it, it'll be a good time. Yep, it's going to be a great time. Um, you'll be able to see both of us there. We've got panels that we have lined up. We're both very excited about. And a lot of really phenomenal speakers from in and around the Austin community and actually around the country. So it's going to be a great time. We hope that you'll join us um, on October 28th for AGME. Austin's going to make it. Um, besides that, Richard, I just got to tell you, man, I think it's been another great show. I can't wait for the day when you eventually say interoperability the right way. Um, I'm still, See I, I still think that there is a chance that before the end of the year, you may say anonymity the right way, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to bet on it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, look guys, it's been a great episode. I appreciate you being here. He appreciates you being here. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Steve Miller underscore PHX over on Twitter. He's at Richard Carthon spelled exactly how it sounds. And we will catch you next time on another episode of the Aftershock. But until then, stay cryptocurrent. We'll catch you later. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. This show and any other Cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes. 